This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. I'm not above being insulting. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Base hit to left field. Crawford is in to score. Solano races around the third. Madison Bumgarner knocks in a two-out. RBI single to make it three to one Giants. Got him. And that's the ball game. Smith gets the save for Bumgarner. Dyson, Watson, Smith. Nothing. Reckless speculation. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North and Score North mobile app. This is kind of a choose your own reckless speculation adventure on the show today. We've got twin stuff and we've got some great Timberwolves stuff involving D'Angelo Russell to get I to. love a good choose your own adventure. I gotta go twins though. Right I mean, at that, the top. That's the that's the hot team in town right now. And uh, we have two very credible reporters with sort of conflicting information, but but the common denominator is clearly the twins are in discussions with the San Francisco Giants. And mm-hmm. so let's start with the first report from this morning. Bob Nightingale is he still living in Minnesota? USA Today's Bob Nightingale. I don't know. He was a Minnesota guy for a while. Yep, he was. I don't. I don't know. He says the Minnesota Twins, who aren't content simply to win the American League Central, are showing strong interest in Giants ace Madison Bumgarner. Twins are not on Bumgarner's no-trade list, enabling the Twins to acquire him without his approval. I love how we have to add that part of it. Like, hey, he probably doesn't want to play in Minnesota, but (laughs) he can't veto it. (laughs) Get more money from him. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yes. And then uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN now, one of the great insiders around baseball, he subtweets Bob Nightingale and yep. says, "Well, the, by the way, uh, Jeff's going to be on the Scorner Twin Show tomorrow on Glenn Perkins on Baseball. Jeff is going to join the show and and expand on this tomorrow, so you can find him on these uh, very airwaves at, at noon tomorrow. Nice. But he says, while the San Francisco Giants' interest in dealing Madison Bumgarner remains clear, the Twins haven't engaged them in high level talks in recent weeks. No uh, confirmation if they've engaged in low level talks, but." A source uh, with knowledge of the discussions tells ESPN, Giants reliever Will Smith is on the Twins' radar as of now. So at the very least, we know they're talking to the Giants, and they want Will Smith, who's one of the best lefty relievers in baseball, and they may or may not be in on Madison Bumgarner. Reckless speculation. Here's my guess. There's uh, smoke here, right? Can I give you guys a guess here? There's smoke. There's smoke. Okay. So, so uh Charlie Walters of the Pioneer Press comes out two Sundays ago now and writes that uh, that the Twins are actively pursuing or it's getting close on Mad Bum. The guess has to be this, right? They're in on both of them. And, and the conversations might... They're probably stops and starts as far as we like Mad Bum and Will Smith and, and at times they might be... They might think that they're closer to one. But the, the logical conclusion... I would think has to be that there's smoke on both players because if you're going to get one, they're, they're both on expiring contracts. You might as well go for two. 
So my so my guess is that they're very involved in talking to the Giants. They're probably, to their credit, being proactive here. But i got to think that the actual conversation is, how do we get both? Right, Rami? You would think so. You would think that's but that just makes going. the most common sense, doesn't right. it? If you're going shopping, why, why make two trips? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I go to Cub, I'm going to get everything I can. Now, I might forget a Mad Bum, so i got to go back. Right. But I you don't want to forget the Mad Bum. always forget a Mad Bum and, <laughs> Mad Bum and got to go back. Yeah. Every time I go to the grocery store, I get home, I'm like, I forgot Mad Bum. But you're again. right by it. I forgot it again. But you can walk across the street. i got to get the my car is like, Do you want to drag Alex Kirloff out of your car so that you can go into the grocery store and get some deals? That's the question. Do you want to do you want to oh, drag Royce not, and Lewis to the no, grocery no, store? No, those guys aren't in my car. Just I know I got a Nick. There. You left them at home with the babysitter. I <laughs> I got a Nick Gordon in my car. Now that's that's in the back seat, and I might even have a bruised our Gratterall in the trunk. <laughs> Why do you have to put him in the trunk? There's room in the car because I got Gordon in the back. All you seat. have is Gordon no, back I got there. Him laying down back. He's laying down. He's taking a powder. I can't put them both laying down. Wait, did you say Gratterall's in the trunk? Yeah, I got Gratterall in the trunk and Gordon. Nobody in the back can ride seat. shotgun. You don't allow them to ride shotgun? I'm not thinking of them as humans. I'm thinking of thinking of them as items that I just so put in my car. So you said you've got a player in the trunk and you're not thinking of them as a human. I feel like you're going to be on Dateline NBC sometime <laughs> the next couple of years. Would you be surprised? There's a shovel and would some, you be, would you be shot? some bags of dirt in the back of the truck next to the Twins Top Pitching Prize. We called Judd and Judd showed up. Hello, Mr. Zolgad. Ah, that's not me! Uh, the, 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 the main refrain I keep hearing... When it comes to should the Twins trade for Madison Bumgarner specifically, I think we're all in agreement. Like if they can add Will Smith, the reliever, if they can add flame throwing left handed reliever, they should. And the question is, what's left in the tank for Madison Bumgarner, and how much would you be willing to give up? And and the main refrain I keep hearing is, well, I mean, what would he be like? Your number three starter on this team, your number four starter, because you got Jose Barrios and Jake Odorizzi. He's had a great first three months, and Gibson's been okay, and so. You know, he's, you're not really adding the old Madison Bumgarner. And mm-hmm. I would counter that point by by first agreeing he's not he's not the old Madison Bumgarner. He's very clearly, he did have a nice pitching performance this week, uh, but he's very clearly not the lights-out dominant ace that we saw in the postseason a few years ago. At least he hasn't been in the regular season the last few years. That, to me, shouldn't prevent the Twins from trying to recreate that Madison Bumgarner, just like the Astros did with Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. That's the closest comp. And Verlander, by the way, when he went from the Tigers to the Astros, was older. His velocity had dropped. Like, there was a lot more things to, to maybe worry about with Justin Verlander. Now, you could argue Justin Verlander was a little bit better in his last two years with the Tigers than Madison Bumgarner has been with the Giants. But the point remains, you got two antiquated franchises in San Francisco and Detroit that used to be great like five years ago, and they have fallen behind the times. And they've got young players that are flaming out. They're at the bottom of the standings, and they don't have their finger on the pulse of what works in today's player development. It's pretty obvious. They're both going to lose 90 games, and they're both like they're both relying on a lot of old-school principles, and they're just trying to continue to ride the wave that worked for them five or six years ago. The Astros are forward-thinking. They brought Justin Verlander in and said, we'll change this, we'll get you throwing harder over here, and then you'll become untouchable again. I think the Twins have a really good chance to take this version of Madison Bumgarner do some things like the Astros did to Justin Verlander and get him pitching at the top of his game again. He's not even 30 years old yet. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he's 35 and washed up and over the age cliff. He's 29 years old still, and the Twins have a better shot at getting him to pitch at his peak performance level than the Giants do right now. If there is something there. If there is something there to unlock or tap into. It might just be 
that he's not the same dude that for whatever reason physically something is is has degraded from the time when Madison Bumgarner was at the top of his game that's a possibility but if they see something like you're saying like like the Astros saw with Verlander like the Cubs saw with Cole Hamels and those were both situations like you're talking about where they went from bad losing organizations that weren't at the forefront of the next the next frontier in in baseball and coaching and how to get the most out of these guys and they went there and there's probably a little juice added when you go from a losing team to a team that's in a playoff hunt or or a world series contender and you throw in that coaching and the technology and everything that those organizations use much more effectively than the place where they came from and yeah you can get more out of a guy if there is more to get out of him it's entirely possible that there isn't though with Madison Bumgarner we don't know that sitting here today the twins might know that the twins might be able to watch the tape and look at the numbers and see something but I don't think we know that sitting here today that there is more to unlock with Madison Bumgarner. If they did pull a trade, I think it clearly means that they see that something they see to it. unlock, sure. right? Yeah, and I would trust them. I would trust them in in that assessment because they've been pretty spot on with that in the past. If it's a risk, I love the risk. I absolutely love it. Look at the guy's playoff stats. Look at the mentality. Look at how he's wired. All of these things are, are important. And you know what? If he shows up and there's some flaws there, but because this guy is a bleep kicker, and if there's some flaws there, <laughs> you don't got to keep him. I'm ta- this trade. I am very comfortable trying to make a trade for a guy w- with a playoff and World Series record that is outstanding for this run. And if you see something and say, "Oh my gosh, we can fix him," that's not that that hard. Heck, we can we can take him until he's 33. Then you sign him or try to right. But I am entirely comfortable with, with the conversation that I believe we had on yesterday's show, which is talking about the fact that there is one track here of this team is really good, and they are. But they could use more pitching. So if I can get an expiring Mad Bum and Will Smith contract, and yeah, it's a gamble. And yeah, you know what? I might trade prospects, and they, they might go to San Francisco and absolutely thrive. But it's the type of gamble the Twins traditionally have not taken. It, it's a chance for them to take a step away from that and take that risk. And if we're talking about getting a pitcher who who has not pitched in the playoffs much, if at all, and has term left, and you're saying, but yeah, this guy's going to be really good in two years, or no, we're going to go get a pitcher whose contract is up but might help us in, in the playoffs and make a deep postseason run, to me, I love the Mad Bomb and Will Smith idea. Yeah, I think the biggest question I would have is if you brought him over, and he's clearly a hard-headed guy, right? He's yes. he's very old school in the way that he goes kicker. about his business. Yeah. That's what he is. And my worry, I guess, would be the Twins see some things they can unlock, and they approach him in some way. All the, the Twins pitching nerds approach Madison Bumgarner and Wes Johnson, who has three months of Major League coaching credibility, and they say, all right, we're going to do this, this, and this. And he's like, he spits tobacco on their yeah. shoe. <laughs> Go bleep yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm Madison bleeping bum guy. He literally gets out of horse and rides away. That's it for me. I mean, like, that's entirely possible, right? I mean, like, A, that he would ride a horse to right. the ballpark. Absolutely. And B, he would say, Do you think that's him, though? Wes Johnson, who are you? I have no Do idea. Do you think that's you him? Are. Like, I think I that he's. Uh, I think he's an incredibly hard-nosed guy. I don't know that he wouldn't take instruction, though. Especially if you say, hey, look, dude, do these two things. It's going to change you. But I just, I love the idea 
I, I don't like the idea of bringing in a questionable clubhouse presence as far as a weird guy or, or a guy that might not fit in. But if you, you've had the playoff success that this guy has had, I find I'm hard pressed to believe that he would not fit, fit into what they want from a mentality standpoint yeah. and teach people as well. Well, and ultimately, you're if if you're looking to improve your team, you're looking to take your team to the next level and and put it on the level that the Yankees are going to be at and that the Astros have been at. You might have to sacrifice something. You're either going to have to sacrifice prospects you don't want to give up, and or bring in a guy that's maybe not perfect for the clubhouse. And I don't know if he's good or bad for the clubhouse. A lot of that's going to be up to him if he wants to win a World Series. And he might say, you know, I've I've already won World Series. I really don't want to play in Minnesota. Yep. I I do think. You know, Nightingale uh, and 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 Passon both had different information, but I I did find the last line of Nightingale's tweet and report to be interesting. The fact that he threw in the note about Madison Bumgarner can't veto the trade because the Twins aren't on his no trade list. And my first question is, well, like, would he want to veto that trade? Would he not want to pitch here if he if, no, if he, he doesn't want to pitch here? Or is it more about the trade kicker that you could get? If, that's what that's that's why he put. Uh, it's eight teams, right? I think eight so. to ten teams. Uh, the teams that he put on uh, his no trade list are done very specifically, n- not so he won't be traded to them, so that he can go and get the Giants to pay him more. Like the other Yankees on that list. Yes, it's a it's a who's who of playoff teams. But his, I, I think, I think Yankees, Cubs, I think Red Sox are on that list. I believe the Brewers. I think are one of the teams on yeah. that list. And he submitted that that list though very specifically. So that if the Giants attempt to make a trade with one of those teams, he can go and veto it and then just get paid more to go there. So in this case, the Giants could trade him here. And I don't think it's that he doesn't want to come here, but he couldn't get more cash to come here. Okay. So he basically didn't take the Twins seriously enough is probably what that comes down to. Yeah. Uh, Rami asked earlier, is there smoke here? I think there's fire here. I think, I think they for sure wind up with at least one of these guys from the Giants. And if you if you trade for just one of them, you for sure don't have to give up one of your top three prospects. I'd be shocked. I mean, Bumgarner, Bumgarner's ERA is over four, and he has three months left on his deal. So you're if the Giants can leverage three teams against each other and twist their arms and essentially get value for what he used to be two or three years ago, good for them. But you know the the Twins do have some leverage here too to say, well, you got to trade him because you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's not the same Matt Bumgarner. And the longer you wait, every start he makes, his value goes down to me. Because if you look at the market, the teams that would be interested in Madison Bumgarner, that would be the most interested in Madison Bumgarner and get the most out of him as a rental, are the teams who are fighting for a playoff spot. Not the teams that, not the teams in a situation like the Twins, where they're kind of running away with their division. It's back up to eight and a half now, by the way, guys. We can all breathe easy. That was scary for a minute. Brad there. Hand last night. Brad Hand, come on down. But if if I'm yeah. one of those teams, five runs in the ninth. It's yeah. Aggressive. Gets the Royals. You know, I'd make a call on him right now. Oh, looks like he's yeah, washed it's, up. It's, that guy's it. done. Yeah, you guys should Cooked. get rid of him now, pronto. <laughs> Burn him but, out. But if you? I'm one of those teams fighting for a playoff spot. Every start I can't get out of Madison Bumgarner makes him that much less valuable to me. Yeah. Right? In the regular season? Yes. The Twins are thinking about the postseason. That's correct. Yeah. The, for, so for the Twins, it's much more about... I mean, the Twins could acquire him on July 31st and he'd right. still be just as and valuable totally to them. totally fine. Yeah. And, but the longer they wait, I think the price goes down. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they pull the trigger, because we're still have a month before the trade deadline. Are they thinking, pull the trigger now, just bury the Indians, get another... Get that boost in the clubhouse. Just extend that rotation out. Put a Martin Perez in the bullpen where maybe he can be a two-inning flamethrower kind of a guy. Or if they really slow play this until July 31st. Or if some Twins fans 
get their pessimistic wish that they just keep digging in the used DVD bin and they don't do anything. The question becomes this. Are, are the Giants, if the Giants are willing to pay Bumgarner more to be traded, then that becomes a problem. So, like, if they go to, if the Yankees come to, to them and he, he's on their no, on his no trade list, which I'm pretty sure he is, and the Giants are like, oh, that's fine, we'll pay you X amount more, then, then that brings in all those teams. But if the Giants are saying, we don't want to pay you more, so we'll send you to the Twins or there, there might be two more teams, that makes the list very small then. And, and that's to the Twins' advantage if that's the case. But if the Giants don't care, which I'm willing to bet that they do care, that's going to be to the Twins' advantage completely. Yeah. Uh, Scoring off Twin Show, you guys, it's a five-day-a-week Twin Show, the only five-day-a-week Twin Show in the Twin Cities. Very easy to download on demand anywhere you find podcasts. The Score North mobile app is free to download. You can find episodes on there. And the Score North Twin Show is free to listen to as well. I came up with a new scale for how serious trade talks are today on the Score North Twins show. I made an analogy to dating. So if you first, when you first meet a girl, you, you can't, in 2019, you can't call her. Like, it's strictly text. You call a girl right after you get her number in 2019. Yeah. It's over, right? I would argue you should just never call anyone, period. Mm, okay. But email don't leave voicemails. Yeah. <laughs> Honest to God, never leave a voicemail. Definitely not when you first get the number, right? You don't, you don't, it's strictly text. Yeah, you don't, don't do the, the John Favreau bit in uh, Swingers. Yeah, where he left like 82 yeah. messages on the yeah, answering machine. That. The next level up is phone calls. Okay. That's when it start. it starts to get serious. You know, you like each other. You can make a phone call. Okay. That won't be weird and creepy. You won't, you won't freak her out. When it's really serious, when it's about to go down, it's FaceTime. That's when it's serious. When trade talks are serious, that's that's when when Falvey and Levine are on FaceTime with the Giants GM. That's when, when we like, know you're like laying in bed, right? Yeah, lovey dovey. There FaceTime. might be some inappropriateness. What's going the on. you you up phase? <laughs> is that the that's, text phase? That's the very that's the very beginning. That's When's when you, that? That's when you first call and check in on Madison Bumgarner. You're you like, up? hey, Bumgarner up. <laughs> you up? <laughs> Who's the Giants GM? Is it still, is it still Sabian? I think no, it's still Sabian. No, it's, Sabian um, it's the guy from the Dodgers. Who, oh, that's right. The um, right-hand guy from who had been the guy, Friedman's right-hand guy from the Dodgers. And he was with the Oakland A's. Um, oh, Farhan that's right. Zaidi. Yes. Yeah. So it's him. What happened to Brian Sabian? That guy, Brian Sabian. I think was he got kicked upstairs. Oh, they, so they kept him. I think they kept him and okay. they kicked him upstairs. Yeah, it didn't work anymore with him. He was probably calling when he should have been texting. Oh, I'm and sure. Was, I'm and it sure was inappropriate. Was. I'm sure he was. Yeah. Derek Falvey's like, I, you're being creepy. Yeah. <laughs> we just met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Jason Stark knows a lot about baseball. He writes for The Athletic, and he'll join us next to give his thoughts on these Twins-Giants rumors. And we want to ask Jason off the, the Mickey Calloway blow up from earlier this week in New York. Has Jason Stark ever been the victim of a manager or a player blowing up on him? So we'll do that when we come back later on. Some Timberwolves speculation on D'Angelo Russell to get to. But Luther Brookdale Toyota is on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And it is the number one car dealership in my heart anyways. I have a FaceTime relationship with Luther Brookdale Toyota. Yep, we'll sit there. That incident, huh? Yeah. How about that? Tell me about that new RAV4. Really weird. Yeah, (laughs) You have your shirt on, though, right? No, some 50-50. Yep. Tell me about that new RAV4 XLE with those safety features and that built-in Apple CarPlay. Don't tell me about it. Car to the dashboard. Show it to me. We're on FaceTime. Okay, I'm leaving now. See you guys later. Have a good show. Say hi to Stark. You can get into, uh, there's a couple pre-owned Toyotas here on LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Some great deals on pre-owned vehicles, like a 2011 
Prius hybrid with just 140,000 miles for $92.95. And you might think, wait, just 143,000 miles? That's an awful lot of mileage. Not for a Toyota. You can double that. And uh, you'll still you'll still be running that thing over 250,000 miles. You can get some great value on pre-owned vehicles at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard. X Games Minneapolis returns to U.S. Bank Stadium August 1st through the 4th, featuring four days of the world's best action sports music and festival experience. Don't miss the greatest action sports athletes on the planet and musical performances from Incubus, POS, the Wu-Tang Clan, and more. Tickets and more information at xgames.com slash tickets. Thank you, Jonathan, Mackie, and Judd with Rami on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. And joining us now, as he does every Wednesday right around this time, from the Athletic and MLB Network, Hall of Fame baseball writer Jason Stark. Jason, how are you this afternoon, sir? I'm great, man. What's happening? Not, not a, well, quite a bit, actually. If you, if you believe the rumor mill, then there may or may not be quite a bit happening surrounding the Minnesota Twins. Reckless speculation. And some reckless speculation as it concerns the Giants and Madison Bumgarner, but also Will Smith. And we, we can deduce that there is smoke and there may or may not be fire there in those talks. What do you think the Twins would be getting in those two guys, Jason? Well, uh, let, let me just caution you that the Giants' asking price on either or both has been exceptionally high right now, hmm. and I—I I mean, I think because of that, this is likely to not happen imminently. And the Twins, I would expect, would be in a mode to wait to see if those prices go down. But I, I do expect the Twins to be aggressive on both starters and relievers, more relievers than starters. And I, I like both guys. They're both really enticing. You know, Bumgarner isn't the Bumgarner of Game 7 2014 anymore. But I had, you know, uh, I had a GM from one team compare him to the Cole Hamels deal of last year where you get that guy out of a situation where he never wins. They never win. And put him in a race. And, you know, you, <laughs> you, you get that look in his eye again and you get a really competitive human being who rises to that moment. He, he struck out double figures last night, right? So. Yes. You, you know what he is. And Will Smith's really good. You know, he's a left-handed reliever who gets left-handers and right-handers out. And he's going to be an extremely hot commodity uh, in, a, in a market right now where there are going to be a lot of bullpen options, but I don't know how many are going to be as good as him. On Mad Bum, Jason, do you uh, sense that the Giants would be willing to move him to a team on, on his no-trade list, which sounds to me like clearly they would just come back then and he would say, if I'm going to go to a team on that list, pay me more. Do you think that that would be a hang-up for the Giants or not? Because to me, that, that could eliminate teams pretty quickly or it could open a can of worms if the Giants say, sure, we'll give you more to take a trade to the Yankees, for instance. Uh, Judd, if you really look over that no-trade list, mm-hmm. it's so clear what he had in mind. Yes. Uh, he wants to control the process. And uh, you know, every team on there is pretty much contender, a team that could conceivably want to trade for him. And so he's going to want to get something out of it, you know, probably money. I don't know if he's going to want an extension. It probably depends on where he goes. But 
the, the no trade list in and of itself is not a do not talk to these teams list. It's the opposite. Yeah. The other thing, I, I brought this up, and maybe you can shed some more light on it. It's a little apples to oranges uh, for many reasons, but Justin Verlander went from being fine with, with Detroit a couple of years ago, and then the Astros got their progressive hands on him, and all of a sudden he's untouchable Justin Verlander again. It seems like the Giants, just like the Tigers a few years ago, may have fallen behind the times. They, they were at the peak of the mountain five years ago, and maybe they've, they've just sort of fallen behind the pack, and the Twins feel like a team that's at the forefront right now. Is that a factor? I mean, if you're, if you're, if, if you're looking over and you saw the Astros grabbed Verlander and they took him to a new level, could a team like the Twins, if they are forward-thinking and successful in that regard as we think they are, could they, is there another level to get to for Mad Bum? I think that's a really good comp, uh, really good. Um, you know, Justin Verlander's stuff was still good. His velocity was still good. The competitive fire was still there. But, you know, they felt like with a couple of adjustments in grip, some differences in sequencing, some adjustments in how he uses fastball, that there was a lot more there, and we have found out they were exactly right. Uh, that could totally happen with Madison Bumgarner. Um, you know, it, it's tough to say exactly what tweak a team would make because, you know, the results against his various pitches are pretty much up across the board. And I haven't seen a big change in the way he uses his stuff. So there's definitely some potential there to uh, to, to tweak him, but I, I mean I think he he wants to win. <laughs> this guy is one of the most competitive human beings on the planet, and so he totally would be open to new information and new ways to look at how he utilizes his weapons. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he went to a really progressive team and flourished. Talking with Jason Stark here of The Athletic and MLB Network on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Jason, what did you make of the whole Mickey Calloway episode this week? And was there ever a situation similar to that that you found yourself involved in? It sounds like your saga is really good based on that reaction. So let's start there. Well, I've had a I've had a couple of all time classics. You guys have never heard the bleep you Jason story, huh? No, I don't think so. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, this is you know this is really early in my time. It covered the Phillies way back when Dallas Green was the manager, right? And Dallas was a really smart but really fiery guy. I uh, was the young writer, happy go lucky, got along with everybody. You know, Dallas would sometimes have this look where people were terrified of him, and I'd be the one who would break the ice by getting him to loosen up, right? So I tried that one night after they got blown out. Nobody wanted to ask a question. And so the first three words out of his mouth were, bleep you, Jason. <laughs> and, and then the answer went on for over three minutes. And we counted up 42 words we are not going to repeat on this program. You probably, if you Google this, you can probably find some semblance of what, what he answered. Uh, but that was 
a little different than the Mets thing because, like, by the end of it, he was kind of winking at me like he needed somebody to to set him off so he could he could do do what he needed to do and say what he needed to say for effect. And then a few weeks later, he he gave me this T-shirt that said "Bleep You, Jason" on well, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a long way from this. I, I also, I, I mean, again, this is like I was covering a Phillies team that isn't like anything you would ever cover now. It was just, it was just open hostility. <laughs> I had a bunch of bunch of players that either they weren't talking to me or I weren't talking to them for something or other. And so one night we were in St. Louis. Remember Dickie Knowles? Oh yeah, for knocking down George Brett in the '80 World Series. I really don't. I think this was after that, but. Uh, Dickie knows pitches, the media scrum after the game, I ask a question, he acts like I'm invisible, he doesn't answer. A minute later, I ask another question, he acts like he doesn't hear it, doesn't answer. So I said, what's your problem? <laughs> he said, what's your bleeping problem? And I said, I want to know why you're not answering my questions. And he said, I'm not answering your questions because I'm not bleeping talking to you. And I said, since when? When did that start? He said, I haven't talked to you all year. And I said, what? You're nuts. And he threw a punch at me. Whoa, in the what? Room, which I ducked out of the way of. <sighs> and, uh, you know, a couple players stepped in and nothing ever came of it after that. But that was interesting. And then the funny thing was, after I uh, won the Spink Award last year, I was on uh, MLB Network and they asked me, pretty similar question to this. Does, does anybody not get along with you ever had any problem with a player? And so I told that story, and this year in spring training, I was in the Phillies camp one day, and Dickie Knowles came up to me and he said, did I once try to throw a punch at you? <laughs> he said, wow. I heard you told that story on MLB Network. He said, I, I don't remember doing that, but if I did that, I want to say I'm sorry. You're a really great guy. Wow. You're really great at your job. And if I did that, that was all about me being all messed up, not about you. You know what that tells me, Jason? That he doesn't remember throwing a punch at you? That that was a regular occurrence for him. <laughs> that he was just throwing punches. He didn't realize you were yeah, one of the guys. Say that, but, uh, there were some punches thrown during that by that team in that era, that's for sure. So that, that Mets thing that, that occurred... Um, on Sunday, there, there was a time where that would not have been a story, right, Jason? I mean, from, from what you're saying in, in the stories that Patrick has told uh, about the open hostility in clubhouses in the 70s, there must have been a time where, I don't know if being threatened is the right word, but certainly being accosted was was sort of part of the job for some beat guys. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, that like that Dickie Knowles thing, that never got written about. The bleep you, Jason, got written about by everybody. That's a good line, yeah. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that was, that was a three-minute tirade where this was not in the days of we would televise the press conferences. This was in the manager's office. In the middle of it, he went out in the clubhouse to make sure they were listening and then came back. <laughs> so that, was a, that was a definite story. I've had a couple that became stories, but there were a lot of, there was a lot of stuff that went on that was not a story. But that, we don't live in that time now. Yeah. And, um, and like on, on any level, we don't live in that time. And so I'm amazed not just that it happened with the Mets, but the way they dealt with it afterwards was a debacle, too. Yeah, you know, baseball is... Uh, Jason Stark is with us here, by the way, from theathletic.com slash MLB and, uh, and MLB Network. 
you're literally whether it, whether you're a player or you're on the coaching staff or the manager or even when you're when you're a member of the beat writing crew, it's eight months. And if if a team goes deep in the playoffs, it winds up being closer to nine months. And yeah. everyone's on top of each other for hours a day, and uh, and like you you spend a lot more time around people that you may hate than you do your own family in baseball. It's not like in football where you might actually get two days off between a Sunday game and a Wednesday practice if the if the players get Monday off or hockey and basketball where you might you know you you get 3 days off between a game and you can go hang out with your family. It's every day on top of each other and so that's why fights happen. Yeah, so that's an excellent description. You know, it just I, and it's it's not just every day but you get weekends off. <laughs> it's every day. Yeah. They play every night in baseball and you, you know you it, it's hard on everybody. It's I don't underestimate it ever. I always understand honest emotion and how these things happen. But I don't think that justifies, say, Jason Vargas physically threatening a writer who just happened to walk by. Yeah. Uh, did you bring trivia in your bag of tricks today, Jason Stark? Yeah, you got music? Did you bring music? Oh, it's transactional. <laughs> if we say no, you just hang up. Believe <laughs> 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 you, Phil Mackey. Music, but don't let that happen again. <laughs> uh, this, this is inspired by Jorge Polanco hitting 326. Even, even if I lower the bar to 350 plate appearances, I only count two twin shortstops ever who hit 300 in a season. So why don't you try to name him? I feel like Christian Guzman hit 300 one year, Judd. Okay, in 1965, Zoiler Versailles was the American League MVP and played shortstop. I am hard-pressed to think he didn't hit 300. Yeah, that's a good pull. Tough to win an MVP award in that era without hitting 300, I would guess. So. Is that correct? Is that one of them, Jason? He's not one of them. Wow. <laughs> Christian Guzman is one of them. Yes! Zoyler How do you win the MVP in 65? Never wow. actually hit 300. This is... Quite a bit more recent than this, than that, actually. All right, so we're talking twin shortstops who hit 300 <laughs> fairly recently. Uh, the twins had a run of like nine years where they didn't have, have a, short- a shortstop. Yeah. It was Punto one year. So Punto hit 300 one year, I believe, or maybe it was. It might have been just a shade below, but that was his third base season. I'm shaking. I've been shaking. JJ Hardy ever hit 300? Not he, was he was here one yeah. year. Yeah. He hit like 270. Um, they had and wasn't healthy. Actually, another trivia would just be name the shortstops of the Twins at Target Field. <laughs> All the opening days, yeah. Pedro Florimone was yep. an opening day shortstop one time. No, they battled Did, their tails off. I don't though. think Jason Bartlett ever hit three hundred. But he's great with the magician stuff. Yeah, great clubhouse chemistry guy. Um, Luis Rivas. He didn't play shortstop. Played he played second, second base. base, right? Yeah. I'm shaking now. I got nothing on this one, guys. I had an MVP <laughs> that didn't hit three hundred. You have mentioned the name of the guy, oh, but you haven't Jay- actually guessed him. All right, Jason Bartlett. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, that trivia oh, question is one of the saddest. That's one of the saddest trivia questions that you've ever asked us. When the <laughs> answers are Christian Guzman and Jason Bartlett. Yeah, Jason Bartlett only got 372 plate appearances to did 309, but he did. By the way, Zoila Versailles in his MVP what he 1965 season. What he hit? 273. Ugh. What? And he led the league what? in strikeouts. Where did he finish in wins above replacement? I'm going to guess like 93rd or something, right? <laughs> he was, I'm trying to see, uh, I don't have the ranking. Um, Who was doing the voting for the 65 MVP? I think we should go back and question them. 
Was Royce involved? I was going to say, <laughs> Royce might have been involved no, in that. No, no, no. Pat, okay. was, uh, Pat was a copy aide, I think, at the Tribune at the time. That's not that far off, though. I think Pat probably started voting a few years <laughs> I, after that. I, I, I'm definitely looking up where he ranked in Winsborough replacement if I can find it here. It might be hard, right? Yeah, it, it probably it probably wasn't top, top of the... But, but I don't know how they calculate, like, defensive wins above replacement in the 60s. Yeah, you know, like, how do you go back? The shifting was rampant, system. that's all I know. But he led the league in He was playing on the second base side at Met Stadium all the time. I remember it well. But the ball wasn't yeah, juiced yet. Retroactive yeah. defensive metrics were rough. Yep. Let's see here. <laughs> hey, he led all position players in wins above replacement. Oh, wow. Because of defense, though. Okay. See, there it is. But wait, no, he led in offenses and defensive wins above replacement. So how did he not hit 300? 273, you said? Yeah. Hey, let's see. What it, that was, that's dead ball era, though. 26 runs. He led the league in total bases. He led the league in doubles. He led the league in triples. He did some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is what I call analysis, Jason Stark. <laughs> that's why he's a Hall of Famer, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Exactly. Jason Stark, he right did there. Some stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's the next T-shirt. He did some stuff. <laughs> oh. I'm in. All right, see you, Jason. Bye. See you next week. Great talking to you guys. Thanks. Right, Jason, Jason Stark from The Athletic and MLB Network. <laughs> so the, he, did he did some, some stuff. stuff. The, weird, the weird thing about that entire Mets story, though, to me, is Vargas looks like a college professor, and he's the guy that threatened to knock the guy out. He was the muscle. Like, go, go look at pictures of him online, and he looks like he's a college professor. Hey, I, I Apologies for this dumb question, mm-hmm. but what... Set them off. Like, what did the writer do? Mickey Calloway got done with his press conference, like the scrum, right? So it's not like this huge thing. Yeah. And the writer supposedly said something like, see you tomorrow or see you in Philadelphia. And Calloway's like, don't be a smart bleep. And he's like, I'm not. During the scrum, the question that he asked. Oh, no, it wasn't him. That's wrong. The question was at somebody else asked about the use of the reliever. Yeah, and why they, that wasn't the guy who said. Have oh, a it good, wasn't. No. Oh, okay. No, somebody else. So he said, "What again? Have a like? I'll see you in Phil. See you tomorrow, or I'll, I'll see you in Philadelphia tomorrow." And and another reporter had asked Callaway about the fact that they didn't bring in a reliever earlier, right? Or they, they were asking in. why they didn't use their closer for five outs because yeah. they they had a mound visit. <clears throat> They had their closer warming up and then decided not to make a pitching change. And the very next pitch, Javi Baez went deep and gave the Cubs the lead. So people were asking why you didn't bring in your closer there and use him for five outs. And he had to basically, he had to answer the question two or three times and say, we're not using our closer for five outs. It's just not something we do. He just got mad about that. But then, but then the guy that he got mad at did zero wrong. And then Vargas stared him down. And so the guy said, is something wrong? And he's like, I'll knock you out, bleeper. Okay, buddy. Yeah. And started at him and like Syndergaard and somebody else intercepted Vargas. But Vargas looks like he is a 62-year-old college professor. Yeah, he does. He looks like that dude from Saved by the Bell, the college years. Yes. Professor, uh, is it Professor Lasky that started dating <laughs> Tiffany Amber Thiessen? Yes. But with yes. gray hair. I forgot Bob Golick, by the way, great in that I show. I forgot but. a professor dated Kelly. I forgot all about that. Yeah, it's very questionable because I think they were freshmen. I don't yeah. know if Kelly was a late. They had a they? great dorm though. That's super questionable. That, that yeah, adjoining that, dorm, that, that adjoining dorm, dorm. Yeah, that adjoining dorm was just fantastic. Yeah, college that had years, to be two thousand square feet, man. College years yeah. underrated. I totally agree. I watched underrated. everyone in prime time. We're all in agreement on this. Wow. I watched everyone I don't think in prime time. Get three people together who agree about that. And I was like thirty, <laughs> <laughs> or in my late twenties. 
And I watched every one. The wife and I would sit down. It was on for like six shows, right? I love how most it like, didn't last that long. audience it didn't last long because the audience for it was like usually it would be like high school kids who aspired to be like them in college. And Judd's like thirty. I'm drinking. I'm drinking beers. I'm like, go Zach. <laughs> hey, it's Kelly. Becky and Judd with Rob. Join me, Callum Williams, and Jamie Watson this Saturday afternoon for our coverage of Minnesota United NFC Cincinnati from Allianz Field. Pre-game at 2.30 p.m. right here on Score North on 1500 a.m. at scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Driven to left. Golf out of here. Jonathan Scope with his 13th of the year. Sacks are jammed for Mitch Garver. Ripped to left, a base hit. Wendell reached for it, but it was by him. Sano being waved around. Fans throw to the plate, not in time. The ball lifted to left. He's got some carry. Not enough. Heredia looks up. It's gone. A home run for Garver. A dozen now for Garver. Second home run tonight. And the Twins now lead by five. Those bombas heard on Fox Sports North. This is Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. If you don't have that app, go and get it. It's free. It's available in Apple and Google Play Store. You can stream us live. The longer you do that, the more points you earn to get cool, cool rewards from us because we love you. You can also download and subscribe to all your favorite podcasts. Give us those sweet, sweet five-star ratings and all those rave reviews. It's also your one-stop shop for all written content from Score North. Dot com, including something Judd is uh, just about to post here in a few minutes. Isn't that right, Judd? That is absolutely correct. I am g- going to publish something on the Twins. I talked to Team President Dave St. Peter for uh, quite a while last night, and uh, let's just say the Twins are doing very well when it comes to uh, people watching them. Among the highest-rated teams in, in baseball mm-hmm. now, and I also talked to Dave about the fact that I said, you know, people are going to think that you're not going to make moves because you're the Twins, and he said that's not really fair to uh, Derek and Thad, but I understand why they think that when it comes to Jim and myself. There are holdovers here, but... Uh, I do not sense that the Twins are going to... Now, I don't think they're going to make a dumb, rash move, but I also don't get the sense that if there is a move to be made here that they're going to not make it. And and we talked about two. To me, there's there's two sides here a little bit. There's a baseball side, which is very important, and you don't want to make a dumb trade, but there's also a business side here. And you're trying to get to sell tickets and, and more importantly, season tickets. And Dave said that the season ticket base in April of this year going into the, the year was down to about 11,000, which is really bad, and that they've sold some of late. But th- but this is a team that he thinks uh, should draw between 2.5 and 3 million fans per season. Agreed. Just, just to get, give you a history lesson, the last time that they drew 3 million fans, and they did it back-to-back, was 2010 and 11, the first two years yeah. of Target Field. They haven't been, two, they haven't been 2.5 in a while either. They, they have not been. So the point being, though, is is the way to get people to buy in and say, I, I want uh, playoff tickets, and then I'll, I'll buy season tickets to assure that I get into playoff games. The best way to do that is, guess what? Make an impact trade. Convince hey. people you're serious. Absolutely. Right. I mean, they've been, I, I think it's, to be selling out every game, like three million is is basically selling out almost every game. That's what was two thousand ten and eleven was. You had but twenty thousand season ticket holders, and I'll put a roof on it. Talk aside, if the bre- the Brewers every year since noble they, of you, since they've the moved into Miller Park have drawn two million every year except for one. The Brewers have been able to draw two million. That's the thirtieth. That's literally the thirtieth ranked market in all of Major League Baseball. Twin Cities is what fourteen, fifteen. Well, Milwaukee, you're saying. Milwaukee size wise is thirtieth. Is it thirtieth? Thirtieth size wise. Yeah, I know it's. I know it's. Thir- I know the market twins. size. Market okay. size. They're thirtieth. I know the twins in terms of uh, 
percentage At of least people. Last I checked, that's always a moving. Yeah, pull that up quick just for fun. But like, I know that the Twins for a while, because people were asking, why did the Twins have such a low TV deal compared to? Because TV revenue is what really drives payroll. Not as much like stadium revenue drives it to some degree, but you're really some of these teams that have four hundred million dollar TV deals because it's New York and they and they owned and operate their own uh, stations. The Twins and the Brewers were 29th and 30th in percentage of people that have a cable or satellite subscription as of a few years ago. Yes, Meaning we there's just a lot of people who don't have cable and satellite compared to other markets. And that's going down now too, right? Cord cutters. Yeah. More and more. Now, they, that doesn't mean that they can't watch games, but they definitely don't subscribe to uh, the, the traditional forms. Yes. And I, I, when I was doing the TV radio sports column at the Star Tribune in the early 2000s, it was low here. So... I gotta imagine it's gone gone down. Now, the one thing that I will say that I think is different in Wisconsin from here is my sense, and this comes from covering the Packers for two years. My sense is Wisconsinites are much more willing as well to to come from Madison and places like that. Here, I, I really sense that you have the Twin Cities metro area as your fan base. I don't know how long people have like even when they played in the dome and didn't get rained out. I never really got the sense that like Rochester was coming to town. This isn't MLB specific, but as far as markets with professional sports franchises, Milwaukee is 36th. Okay. So I think that puts them, I'll try and find an MLB specific ranking. I think that puts them right around 30th. I think about six of yeah. those first 36 cities are not, don't have a major league baseball yeah. team. The Twins in their second homestand. So the first homestand they drew, they, they sold out the opener against Cleveland. It was just a one-game series, and they had 15,000 and 15,000. The first few home games, middle of April, some of this is weather-related. Obviously, we talked about that with Rami's Put a Roof on It campaign. But they had 11,000 people at that first game against Toronto on a Monday night, April. Now, they've never drawn below 10,000 in a game, but they dipped pretty darn close in April. Mm-hmm. And now... Even middle of the week, Chicago comes to town here. There was a uh, Milwaukee on a Monday. That's 29,000, 27,000. They sold out those Joe Mauer weekend games. Boston comes to town middle of the week. That's 27, 25, 31,000. Last night against the Rays, 32,000 on a Tuesday night. So they've at least brought that low. The low bar is now over 30,000 again or, or over 27 or 28,000. And that at least makes the stadium feel somewhat full. But you know what? The lesson learned here is put a roof on it. No. Oh. The lesson learned. I knew you were going <laughs> to chime in. Put a good one. product on the field. Yes. And that's what draws attendance. It's and, not a free agent sign. I mean, a free agent signing could help you put a good product on the field, but it takes more than just do one we free know, agent signing. And I'm genuinely asking this question, not to troll for the put a roof on it movement. Genuine question. Do we know that a good product on the field translates to attendance early in the season? When you're sitting in sub fifty degree weather for three plus it, hours, we we don't know yet because the last time they had a good team and it was April was 2010 and like you can't count 2010 11 because it was new stadium phenomenon. So we don't answer, even, we don't even know the answer to that question though is this that this is all very very simplified with one thing: success sells season tickets. You cannot count on walkups, and that's true for the Brewers too. No team if you get if you can't just say we're good now. Because that will get people, but this this is where a potential trade right now makes a difference. Because now now companies say and fans, but companies say we want priority on on playoff tickets. And how do teams sell those? They say that's fine, but but you're going to get priority on playoff tickets by buying season tickets, right? So so the w- the way that you 
let's just say it's 30 degrees on April 5th. The way that, that you announce that there's 40,000 people in that ballpark, guess what? Season ticket sales. So that that's where, if you think that people are just going to walk up and buy tickets, that's not correct. But what you can do is if your product is good and people are excited about it and say, I, I want to spend, let's just say, May 15th through the rest of the year at Target Field, season ticket yeah. sales. Also worth noting, so Cleveland came off a good season. Cleveland, I mean, I guess Cleveland had a little bit of a buzzkill offseason, but, you know, Cleveland's had some good teams lately. And their attendance now compared to April is like almost twice as many fans per game. They had a lot of 12 to 15, 18,000 fan games. There's a 12,000 game against, well, Miami coming to town. And lately, they've been playing better, but lately, Yankees come to town in June, 31, 32, 29,000. Detroit comes to town, 30,000, 30,000. So weather is certainly a factor. It's definitely a factor. I found the answer to our question. I've been Googling this whole time. Milwaukee is the second smallest market in baseball. Cincinnati is the smallest. Okay. And that was a, a 2019 ranking. So. But baseball strategically, the way baseball works is there's so much local revenue that drives competition. They almost can't. It's not like the NFL where you can literally put a team in Jacksonville and Green Bay. Sure. And yep. it doesn't matter because it's all national revenue and it's all it's all shared across the board for the right. most part. In baseball, there's no way if you if you went below a Cincinnati or went below a Milwaukee too far in terms of market size, you just wouldn't have enough people and enough people watching TV, right, to have a big TV deal, etc. You have 81 games to sell, whether it's yeah. tickets or TV or radio or whatever the case might be. You have 81 home games to sell. Yes. All right, we've been talking Twins the entire hour. Madison Bumgarner, Will Smith rumors. If you missed any of it, just go and listen to the whole first hour, the beginning part, anywhere you find podcasts. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Let's shift our attention to Wolves speculation. There's some more stuff out there. Our own Doogie has a report. Zach Harper from The Athletic was on these airwaves earlier today on Raised by Wolves. Interesting things to say about D'Angelo Russell and the likelihood he becomes a Minnesota Timberwolf in the next couple weeks. And we'll talk about that right after a word for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is a proud supporter of the Score North Twin Show, the Score North First Place Twin Show, and Mackie and Jeb with Rami. And they are a proud supporter of business owners out there. I have been a business owner a couple different times in my life, and I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never ending sea of problems to solve, and also the exhilaration of those incremental wins. You get both the highs and the lows as a business owner. You don't want an insurance company that's just there as a policy. You want more. Not only want, you need more. You need that face to face relationship. You want more than just the bare minimum with your insurance company. Federated has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be in multiple different areas. Federated Insurance stands behind you and your business. Go to federatedinsurance.com to find your Federated Marketing Representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours.